0: Good morning. I'll say it again. <laughs> I love this church. And I was talking about how um, when we have the, uh, the donut and coffee time out in the uh, whatever building that is over there, we get to meet people. And I met some really great people this morning. I met Rich and Justin and Joey and Luis. And I just had such a feeling that the Holy Spirit is in this place this morning and so thank you Jesus for that, that is wonderful Um, thank you for being here, I'm feeling very blessed again to be a part of this worship, Uh, it's awesome and I want to share with you just a moment about the very first church, Christian church that I ever attended Um, the guy who preached, we called him Pastor Fred, and Pastor Fred, every Sunday uh, after his sermon would finish, he would say this, don't believe a word I said. Go home, research it yourself, and it will strengthen your faith. And this morning, I would like to offer that same encouragement to you. That when you go home, maybe sometime this week, if you're inclined to, research the things we're going to talk about this morning. Because if we do that, I believe it will strengthen our faith. So that being said, our scripture verse this morning is from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And this, this was a, where Luke shares with us a moment between Jesus and his apostles. This was after the resurrection and before the ascension of Christ. And Luke tells it this way. On one occasion, while eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. of the earth Jesus tells his apostles to go to Jerusalem and wait and that they will receive power the word power words power and powerful are interesting because you can use them in so many different ways that can apply to so many different things For instance, the words power or powerful can can be used to describe the uh, immense strength of the African elephant. An animal so powerful that in some parts of the the world people use them as beasts of burden to push boulders from place to place. Or to pick up uh, large tree trunks and carry them from one place to another. The African elephant, powerful animal, powerful. Yet those same two words could also be used to describe the tiny little army ant. An incredible little creature that has the amazing ability to lift and carry around over 25 times its body weight. 25 times its own body weight. That would be like me being able to pick up 3,000 pounds, and take it from this side of the church and place it over on this side of the church. And I'll tell you right now, that is never going to happen. Most mornings, I have trouble just lifting myself up out of bed. Thank you, I can do that, Lord. The words power or powerful can also apply to a force of nature, an earthquake, uh, a flood, a hurricane forces so powerful that they can destroy whole cities at a time, yet those same words could be used to describe the tiniest little microscopic bacteria bacteria named Yersinia pestis, Yersinia pestis, that in the 14th century caused the Black Plague, which according to Wikipedia was the most fatal pandemic recorded in human history. Estimated over 70 million people died in Europe. Powerful. In 1952, an author named Norman Vincent Peale wrote a book called The Power of Positive Thinking. And in his book, he claimed that all of us have the power to overcome any obstacle as long as we believe that we can. He was actually a clergyman, and maybe there was something to his theory because he did live to be 104 years old, powerful. The words power or powerful can be used to describe a moment, a feeling, a touch. An emotion, an act of love can be a very powerful thing. A statement can be powerful. I'm sorry. I forgive you. I understand. I love you powerful words. But this morning, we're going to focus on one particular kind of power. This morning, I want to examine the power of God. And as we do that, I pray that when we leave the church this morning, that we will take with us the knowledge, maybe a renewed understanding, a renewed appreciation of how powerful the power of God truly is. And then to realize that when we are in Christ, that power lives within us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, Father. Father, I pray that every word spoken, every feeling, every thought in this place this morning is to your honor and to your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. So power, just like the words power and powerful can apply to so many different things, the term the power of God can also apply in many ways to many different things. But this morning, I want to focus on just four aspects, four manifestations of God's power. And the first one is that God's power is evident in the expanse of the universe, the expanse of the universe. When I was just a boy, my father and I used to go up to the Sierras three, four times a year and, on fishing trips, and we'd get up to about 8,000 feet away from the city lights, and at night you could sit there, and it would seem like there were billions and billions of stars. My mind would just trying to comprehend the the expanse of space. According to a website, space.com, it says this, the universe as near as we can tell contains billions of galaxies, each containing millions or billions of stars. Another website, astronomy.com, says this, that there are 200 billion trillion galaxies. In other words, the universe is big. It's beyond comprehension. It's estimated that a modern day jet fighter would take more than a million years just to reach the closest star to our sun. It's also estimated that at the speed of light, traveling at the speed of light, it would take over 100,000 years to travel from one end of the Milky Way galaxy to the other. 100,000 years, the speed of light. I think it's safe to say that the universe is incomprehensible. But the reality is that scientists still don't really have any idea how big it is, how how it started, or why it's still expanding. They just don't know. Everything they think they know about the stars and the planets is mostly theory. It's mostly theory. On the website, discovery.com, I found this statement. It says this, quote, citing the evidence up to this point in time, there is a growing consensus in the scientific community that the universe appears to be designed. And even though most scientists would refuse to acknowledge the existence of a supernatural designer, they cannot deny that. The forces at play in the universe are so incredibly and perfectly balanced, so delicately and infinitely calibrated on so many levels that using the laws of physics, any small, any minute alteration of just one of thousands of physical laws in the entire universe as we know it would cease to exist. In 1990, NASA launched the Hubble Space Telescope. And the last 33 years has sent back some of those most amazing pictures, right? Images that no other generation in history has seen. And all we have really learned is that the deeper we go, the less we understand. Me I choose to believe the very first book, the very first chapter of the very first book in this, in this Bible. Genesis 1:1: "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the Earth." That's not so hard to understand. Try to imagine the staggering power behind the creation of the universe. A universe that is so delicately balanced, so perfectly designed, that it defies explanation. And then remind yourself that when we are in Christ and indwelt with His Holy Spirit, that same power lives within us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. The second example of God's power we want to look at this morning, uh, the manifestation of his power, is that God's power is evident in the creation of life itself. The creation of life. The development of life, the origins of life, are usually explained scientifically as a process called neo-Darwinian evolution, which simply means that all life began from one living organism. The problem with that is that the transformation from a non-living chemical to that very first most primitive form of life, a process known as chemical evolution, is still a mystery to us. Up to this point in time, science still hasn't been able to provide a reasonable explanation of the origins of life. They have been unable to provide a reasonable explanation or chemical pathway to explain how a non-living chemical morphed into a living organism. They haven't been able to do it. You see, the study of life, of what's required for a living organism just to exist, is so incredibly, abundantly complex that scientists, and biologists, and microbiologists spend lifetimes trying to figure it out. They spend lifetimes trying to to explain the almost infinitely complicated nature of life. But even if we could begin to understand all of the different chemical combinations, all of the different, different neurological and biological combinations necessary for this existence of life, we would still only be scratching the surface. Because, you see, life is so much more than just a combination of perfectly balanced chemicals working in almost unbelievable harmony. Life is also the result of infinitely complex programming. Programming. Why does a newly born, newly hatched sea turtle, the moment it pops its head out of the ground, out of the sand, knows that it needs to head for water? Even knows which direction to travel? Programming. Why do insects and fish and birds sometimes migrate thousands of miles to their place of birth to lay their eggs and then return? Programming. What power tells the human heart to begin beating and then keeps it beating for a lifetime? Programming. Astrobiologist Paul Davies, the director of the Center for Fundamental Concepts in Science at Arizona State University, said this. To explain how life began, we need to understand how its unique management of information came about. The way life manages information involves a logical structure that differs fundamentally from mere complex chemistry. Therefore, chemistry alone will not explain life's origin any more than a study of silicone, copper and plastic will explain how a computer can execute a program. Isn't it interesting that just as science has been unable to adequately explain the nature of the universe, they have also been unable to adequately explain the nature of life itself. Isn't, uh, doesn't it seem that the same delicate balances, the same perfectly designed creativity that we see in the universe is also present in the creation of life. According to the latest scientific research, it's estimated that there are approximately 8.7 million different species of life on Earth. 8.7 million different species of life on Earth from the gigantic blue whale believed to be the largest animal on the planet at 93 feet long, to the tiniest little mycoplasm, the smallest living organism capable of growth and reproduction. We stand in the midst of God's creations. And we would have to be blind to not be able to recognize the awesome power behind the creation of life. And then, when we grasp the reality that every one of those 8.7 million forms of life on Earth, each possesses its own unique, special design or programming, how can we not stand in awe of the creation of life and the creator behind it. How can we not stand in awe of the work of God's hands? Romans 1.20 says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. Listen, so the people are without excuse. The people are without excuse. The same eternal power behind the creation of the universe is also present in the creation of life itself. And when we are in Christ, that same power lives within us. There's got to be an amen there somewhere, brick right, people. Yes, thank you, Jesus, for that. The third revelation, uh, manifestation of God's power we want to look at this morning is that God's power is evident in His Word, the Bible, His letters to us, His love letters to us. It's His history, it's His teachings, it's His will, it's His heart, and ultimately, it's the message of the cross in 1 Corinthians one eighteen, the apostle Paul says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God the power of God the apostle Paul he had such a marvelous, such a wonderful way of communicating truth to us and here he proclaims the message of the cross as the truth that Jesus died for our sins and was raised from the dead. And then he makes a very clear distinction between those who are perishing and those who are being saved. Those who are perishing are those who have rejected the message of the cross, rejected Jesus Christ, and by doing that have rejected God's free gift of salvation and eternal life why would anybody do that because this book the bible contradicts what they want validated which is sin covetousness sensuality the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh these are just some of the things that the perishing pursue But for those of us who have received the gospel, have received and embraced the message of the cross, those of us who have been enlightened by the Holy Spirit, we see God's wisdom and power in this book. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Because of our faith in the Holy Scriptures and the truth of the Holy Scriptures, the things that we pursue are a deeper understanding of what's in this book, a closer relationship with God and ultimately the hope of an eternity lived out in His presence. The Bible is kind of like a telescope. If you look through the lens into the telescope, it'll open up whole new worlds for us. But if all you look at, you just look at the telescope telescope, instead of looking into it, all you're going to see is a telescope. This book is meant to be looked into and studied and scrutinized and searched. And when we do that, it opens up whole new worlds to us. For the perishing, all they see is a book, a meaningless book. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. People do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. They reject the Bible because it contradicts them. So what is the power of god's word it is the power to change lives it is the power to change the things that motivate us it's the power to heal broken hearts and when we immerse ourselves in it we read it we study it that same power is accessible to us Thank you, Jesus, for that. Finally, and maybe the most important manifestation of God's power is His great love for us. As worshipers, as believers, as students of this book, we have so many examples of God's power in action, right? We have the great flood. We have the 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 plagues of Egypt the parting of the Red Sea the miracles of Jesus the healing of the sick and the lame we have the feeding of the 5,000 we have the resurrection and so much, much more but when we talk about the power of God in a way that we can relate to personally in a way that we can uh, relate to on a personal level, in a way that we can apply to our lives. We need, low, we need look no further than John 3.16. Probably one of the most popular, if not the most popular verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. In this one verse, we have the gospel. Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose. And if we believe that, we will have eternal life. Why? Because God so loved. God so loved us. According to an article in the publication Psychology Today, it says this, all of us have an intense desire to be loved. In fact, being loved and accepted is considered to be one of our most basic and fundamental needs. All of us want to be loved and accepted, but so often we approach it in such a small way. If I only wear the right kind of clothes, if I only drive the right kind of car, if I only hang out with the right people, if I only live in the right neighborhood, if I only live in the right house, if I only say the right things and do the right things, people will like me. People will accept me. People will respect me and look up to me. We spend so much energy trying to impress each other. When the reality is there is only one opinion that really matters. And that opinion is not impressed by the kind of car we drive or the kind of clothes we wear or the kind of house we live in. So, the Bible says, God so loved. Loved who? Believers, non-believers, saints, sinners, the rich and famous, the poor and lowly. The Bible says, God so loved the world. That's everybody. That's all of us. Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A couple of weeks ago, James preached on that very thing, how God loved us before we were even born. He loved us. And when we are able to grasp the truth and the power and the depth of God's love for us, it's a game changer. In fact, it's a chain breaker. Because all of a sudden, we're able to say to ourselves, it doesn't matter what I wear. It doesn't matter if my clothes were purchased at Saks Fifth Avenue or at Walmart or Goodwill because God loves me. It doesn't matter if I drive a Rolls Royce or a Cadillac or a pickup or a Gremlin because God loves me. It doesn't matter if I live in a mansion or a cardboard box because God loves me. It doesn't matter if I'm rich or poor or tall or short. God loves me. It doesn't even matter if I'm a Christian, the most devout Christian, if there is such a thing, or the most staunch atheist because God loves me. But when we embrace the truth of Scripture and we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then the words of the Apostle Paul from Romans 8 become our words. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Yes. Because of the power of God's love, man was created in his image. Because of the power of God's love, Abraham was willing to sacrifice his only son. Because of the power of God's love, Joseph was able to overcome years of false imprisonment, become second in command in Egypt, and saved countless Egyptians and his own family from starvation. Because of the power of God's love, Moses was able to lead God's people out of the bondage of Egypt. Because of the power of God's love, a shepherd boy was able to defeat a giant and become a king. Because of the power of God's love, a child was born that would save the world. Because of the power of God's love, David and Andrea and Kelly and Steve and Nick and Micah and Luis and Justin and Joey and Rich and every single person in this world, this room, has been forgiven and given a second chance. And in some cases, a third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth, and on. God's mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Jesus, for that. 1 John 4:16 said, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. The power of God created the universe. The power of God created life itself the power of God speaks to us through his holy word and the power of God has provided us with an unconditional love that will never, ever, ever, ever end. And when we are connected to him and immersed in Holy Spirit, that same power lives within us. Thank you, Jesus. So, what now what should our response be to all of these things well that's a good question it might be a very good topic of discussion over lunch let's pray dear God we are so blessed Father to be standing in your presence this morning Father we pray that the the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts have been pleasing to you. Father, we are so grateful that you have given us the opportunity to dwell within your power, Lord. Father, we thank you, we praise you. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' precious name, amen.